0: Hi, down bitches! Hello,
1: DBs!
0: We are so excited to announce that Obsessed Fest Year 2 is happening in Dallas, Texas from October 20th to the 22nd.
1: That's right, baby. Tickets go on sale Friday, December 2nd. And you can book your hotel now using the link on our website, ObsessedFest.com.
0: We've officially partnered with Omni Hotel, and that's connected right to the convention center, so you don't even have to leave the hotel to get there.
1: All of the talents and guests will be staying there, so come and join the fun. I mean, Ellen and I, we walked around the hotel and basically made out with everyone for two and a half days.
0: <laughs> for those of you that don't know, Obsessed Fest is a true crime podcast convention that includes live shows, meet and greets, games, karaoke, and one big epic drag brunch. If
1: you want to see what a blast we had year one, Follow the Obsessed Fest Instagram account at Obsessed Fest.
0: Tickets for Obsessed Fest, year two in Dallas, go on sale Friday, December 2nd at ObsessedFest.com. Remember, you can book your hotels now using the link on the website. Can't wait to see you there. We can't wait to see you. Are you going to keep staring at yourself in the camera because you got a haircut?
1: <laughs> I'm not staring at myself in the camera. Just, i just you just stared at
0: yourself in the I'm camera. I'm just making sure I look
1: good. Yeah. For
0: who, babe?
1: For you. Just for you. Everything I do is for you. In the words of Brian Adams.
0: Do you know Brian Adams? I do know Brian. Have you ever and met? Me? No, you do. Brian Adams invited me to his house in Marrakesh. I was like, Brian Adams, I'm in your Broadway show. I can't go to Marrakesh. He's like, Can't you make a go? I was like, No. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Joseph. Uh-huh sing it. Just do it. Look into my eyes. Anyway, hello everybody and welcome to Obsessed with Disappeared, at least for two more episodes. I know. Can you believe it? What's gonna how, on a scale of one to Sally Field in the funeral scene of Steel Magnolias, uh-huh. how much do you think I'm going to cry on our last episode? Are you going to cry? I don't know. I am unpredictable and emotional. You're so making probably. these people feel like we're going away and not coming back. Yeah, we are, but it's a chapter. Close It'll enough. be fine. I hate end of eras. Oh. Did I say welcome to Obsessed and disappeared? Who knows? No, Listen, I know. You guys bought tickets for this circus and there are no refunds. Yes. But we are here and if you would like more of Joey and I, you can find us on the Patreon, and that is where we, you will find the ad-free content. I don't know why you'd want ad-free, because our ads are hilarious, but there's also bonus content, and that, by the time you hear this, will have changed, too. It's just all a lot of fun. Go to our website and click the Patreon link. There's tons of stuff there. There's a screaming lady, if you go far back enough. It's, it's very, very loud. Turn your settings down. But we have a lot of fun there, so go and get some more episodes if you miss us. Yeah, please do Also,
1: somebody tweeted me They said, Joey, every time you mention your caraway pans on the pod My Instagram feed blows up with ads for them Stop it They are very
0: tempting I was like, "Caraway, I didn't lie All you have to do if you want something is just say it Say like, charcoal body wash Charcoal body wash I don't know, just say it and let's see what happens Anyway, shall we get to the episode? (laughs) Yeah, why not? Season 9, episode 12, Moment of Truth tells the story of the disappearance of Michael Chambers.
2: A 70-year-old grandfather and retired firefighter spends the day puttering around the house.
3: Everything was very normal. You would kind of expect my papa to just be outside around the corner.
2: When he suddenly vanishes, his loved ones are thrown into
4: a panic. You're not really thinking... You're never gonna see him again. He's gone.
3: Everything felt wrong. Going on with normal life felt very, very wrong.
2: A bloody crime scene that at first glance seems clear cut.
5: My thoughts were that somebody had hit him in the head and had had taken him. But as mysteries mount, his loved ones raise
2: questions close to home.
3: If you tell me a lie, I'll be suspicious of everything that comes out of your mouth
2: leaving a divided family reeling.
3: This has been our entire life. Every thought, you know, you can't go to bed without thinking about him. We all want to know what happened to dad.
1: So here we are on Friday, March 10th, 2017, and we hear about 70-year-old Michael Chambers, who is having some coffee with his wife, Becca, in Quinlan, Texas, uh, which is a suburb of Dallas, and they've been together for 37 years, a long time to oh, see the same penis.
0: Man, yeah, same joke, same morning breath, same... Everything. Oh, Ellen, you're so broken. To that I say, yes, pass the beer nuts. <laughs> what of it? Live your fucking life. I don't care. But Michael <laughs> is very sweet. I gotta say... I had someone like a Michael in my life. I've mentioned this a couple times, but I was taken care of by an Israeli family growing up and mm-hmm. he was like our Abba. And he was just like the quintessential grandpa. Yeah. He like looked like a grandpa, gave the best hugs. Aww. And everyone is just like describing Michael and how sweet he was. And you can just like tell he just seemed like a warm, fuzzy kind of guy. I, well, it's so funny because
1: a lot of family members are here to talk about. Uh,
0: except for one, but we'll get to that. Yes, yes.
2: After being together for 37 years, Michael knows the key to keeping his wife
3: happy. It's no secret that Dad spoiled Becca. He doted on her. He was very loving, very loving.
4: Mike was too good of a husband, and I would tell him that. I wouldn't tell him that because he was making me look bad. I would tell him that because he would treat his wife like a queen.
1: Son in law David is here and he's like, Man, I told Michael, you're making me look bad. Yeah. You spoil your wife, Becca. You are making me look bad. But he says he treated Becca like a queen. And Michael was the patriarch yeah. of a very large blended family. And he was known as Papa.
0: Papa, yeah. And have you d- ever heard of that? No. I mean, I, I love silly names for grandparents. But- he ain't the same. Oh, no. What? we didn't ha- I didn't have a Papa. What did you have? I had a Peepaw. Okay. That's right. So Peepaw, Papa. Sprite Sprit. Okay. Thanks, Bobby Lynn. How do you keep having enough money to fly up here to New York to bother us? I'm, I'm just here in spirit. Oh, okay. I studied a
1: book on transcendentalism. Okay. Thank um, you. I can transplant my mind anyway. Oh, that sounds like so You better be careful because if you're not nice to me, I'll transplant my ass into your house and I'll never leave because I'll haunt you. <laughs> I will haunt you I am, in the night.
0: I've got no doubts that you will haunt me. Hey,
1: I will haunt you okay. in the middle of the night you hear <laughs>
0: <laughs> you might hear a little because I'll enjoy
2: it.
3: I don't even mean to conjure her.
2: Known lovingly as Papa, Michael is the patriarch of a large, blended family.
3: My sister and I were from Dad's first marriage. After that marriage ended, he married Becca, and they adopted John when he was one day old. And then four years later, they adopted Justin.
2: To his four children, nine grandchildren, and six great-grandkids, Michael sets the bar high as a family man.
0: So they had four kids, nine grandchildren, and six great-grandchildren. That's a lot of kids. I know. And grandchild Madeline is here. She is rocking a fierce, asymmetrical bob yes, haircut. She, she looks sure amazing. Yep. And he just was like, he was the guy at the grill. He was the guy throwing the kids. He was just everywhere. He was the grandpa,
1: and everybody felt like they could count on him. I had a grandfather like that, <laughs> my you- grandfather was. A fucking hoot. He loved to be the center of attention. Yeah.
0: yeah we, I, 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 apples and trees. <laughs> I don't know where they fall from. But,
1: you know, he went to the Golden Age dances every Sunday, and all the women loved him. And he was very flirtatious. Rhoda Harley. Yeah.
0: Uh, Rhoda R- Harley.
3: Worked
1: yeah. out. Like, the man took care of himself, and all the ladies had crushes on him. And they brought him one Christmas. They gave him a Santa Claus G-string, and they said, we bet you'll never wear it that man took Polaroids of him in that Santa Claus G-string front and back and showed us all Christmas
4: morning. I feel like that's going to (laughs) be you and me
0: as an old. Oh, absolutely. I'll be like, hold these titties. They smell like a mothball, but they're still plump and supple. I don't know when I'll—apparently I'll I'll become Southern when I get older.
1: So Do me a favor kick my titty back over
0: here. It's It's still soft. Anyway, um, (laughs) um—
2: Michael was a Dallas firefighter for 36 years, and his decades of public service have left him well-respected in the community. Since retiring from the Dallas Fire Department in 2008, Michael has more time for another passion.
3: My grandfather loves classic cars. He loves working on them. A lot of the time he works on them with my dad. They go to car shows. All of their friends are car buddies.
0: Michael was a Dallas firefighter for... 36 years, and you know I love a firefighter. Oh yeah. Yeah, everybody loved him, and he had a lot of stories about being a firefighter. He loved being a firefighter. And he found a new passion, which was working on classic cars. I don't get it, I don't get it.
1: I don't wanna work on them. But I love classic cars.
0: I just, I don't understand what they're doing. Like, remember we did that Fear Thy Neighbor about it. I, I, I Listen, people don't get that I like to make, you know, stupid TikToks about reality TV shows. I get it. We all have a thing. I just, like, what are you doing just, like, tinkering?
1: Well, it's not your fault because only a man... Could understand something like uh-huh. tinkering with a car. It yeah. takes a man's mind. Yeah, just so you know, I mean, it's why we're the superior gender. It's because right. we, you know we don't cause any problems, we don't cause fights, wars. We make really sound decisions. We're emotionally stable, and we understand engines. It's just something that your tiny little female brain could.
0: <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine yeah. if I actually believed it Anyone that? tell you, you kind of look like a turnip when you talk? Just like a talking turnip. It's like an oddly shaped face. Oh, no. Just like a little turnip. Thank anyway, you so much. I blacked out. So <laughs> he also has this cute little car group. I'm sure he would hate that I'm calling it that, but it, it is quite adorable. Yeah. They're just like these retired dudes. They call themselves Texas Most Wanted. Like baby. And they meet up once a week. I don't know. They talk about cars, look at cars, go see cars, fix cars. So also son-in-law David is like, you know, he was a second dad to me. No, he was also a deacon at his church. Was a deacon? A deacon is like,
1: you're like an elder. You're not like, you know, there's the pastor, then there's the co-pastor, and then there's like deacons who help. I mean, I don't know. They sit people down or like... I
0: I don't know. It's like so. The short answer is you don't know. So you just took me on that hayride for absolute. I thought you would know because you're you're a minister. I mean, sin. I know what it is, but I don't
1: know what it is. You know what I mean?
0: No, no, absolutely not. You either do or you don't. That's how things work. How did you That's, get to become so angry? No, I'm not angry. I just you could have just said I don't know what a deacon Listen, is. Listen, I know Ellen. that, that, that women you are hot headed.
1: and <laughs> man, I not know. have
0: no then. idea about. I was like, what is a deacon? Joey will know. Well,
1: this is what the Google machine is for.
2: On that Friday morning in March, Michael says goodbye to his wife as she leaves for work and gets ready for his day.
3: It looked like he was just kind of piddling on the old cars. And he had talked about going back in the back of the property and cutting some firewood.
2: That evening at 5.50 p.m., Michael's wife, Becca Chambers, is just leaving her job as a home health aide. She texts Michael to let him know she'll see him shortly, but he never responds.
1: Fast forward to 5.50 p.m. that evening, wife Becca's getting off work, and she texts Michael, "'Hey, I'll be home shortly.'" But she doesn't get a response. And 20 minutes later, Becca gets home, sees Michael's truck in the driveway, all the lights are out. Now, y'all, Michael really is a saint because they said that he would always come out like he'd hear her pulling in. He would open the garage door for her, help her with the bags. He was always there to greet her. Yeah. But this day he wasn't there.
0: So she calls out for him. Michael, where are you? There's no answer. She calls his cell straight to voicemail. She calls the family members, you know, just like, where is dad? And of course, we see this, you know, time and time again. People aren't just going to, you know, fly off the handle and immediately assume that something is wrong. They're mapping out the places that he could be. And she was like, oh, wait, you know what? He said he was going to go cut some firewood. Maybe he's he's there at the back of the property. Side note, have you been on Lumberjack TikTok? No. Oh.
1: There is that one hot guy, though, yeah. who does it shirtless, Yeah, and it's literally, yeah. help me.
0: Take me to Lumberjack TikTok. <laughs> I'm just going to say it into my phone and then see what happens when I open it. Who? <laughs> <laughs>
1: So wife Becca is like, remember, they live on 10 acres. And she's like, I can't do this alone. So she goes to the neighbor, and the neighbors are close friends of theirs.
5: I don't think they went very far back there. But they did check around their house, and nobody could find him.
2: Next, they check Michael's garage, where he works
4: on his classic cars. She says she went to the shop. The shop was locked. So she got the keys, and he wasn't in there. The three family members start to become concerned. She noticed that his wallet, his cap, his keys were there.
3: Everything was very normal. You would kind of expect my papa to just be outside around the corner.
0: And she looks around and she sees his wallet, his keys, and his hat. And everything's casual and normal. Nothing looks out of place. So she looks further to the back of the garage and she sees blood on the floor. Yeah. So neighbor Barry was the retired police chief. And he immediately is like, this ain't good. This is not good. Yeah. So at 6.55 p.m., he calls 911. Now remember, he's a firefighter. They're like brothers. They all know each other. So the deputy comes and everybody is there. Now, the sheriff tells us There is a lot of drug-related crime, mostly robbery, due to a large amount of meth that is done in the area.
1: Yes. So now they're wondering— Was Michael maybe the victim of a robbery?
0: And so, you remember when Ellen told y'all that
1: they found his wallet? Thanks for listening. I will always listen to you. Okay. (laughs) Until I don't. Well, his license wasn't in there.
0: And no cash. I was like, who carries cash? Yeah. Like, okay, I I don't think I've had cash on me since 2016.
1: It's rare, but they say you should always carry a 20 on you.
3: Okay, who's they? Jesus. Okay. Dad had valuable things in the shop. Things much more valuable than a little bit of cash that he would have had in his wallet. There were tools like crazy, one of the easiest things to pawn that there is.
2: Michael also kept a 12-gauge shotgun in his garage.
5: The shotgun had not been touched, moved, or fired at all.
2: When the sheriff's deputy looks in Michael's truck parked outside the shop, he finds a considerable amount of cash in the console, around $1,000.
1: So then the sheriff deputy peeps into Michael's truck, He finds $1,000 in the console.
0: Old people love cash. (laughs) I am not saying that to be mean because my grandpa had a fistful of 20s till the day he died. I was like, Pa, what are you doing? Like, are you you betting? Are you gambling? Are you doing drugs? What are you doing? Like, did you just hold up a liquor store? He was like an old tiny man just like with fistfuls of cash. Why do old people love cash?
1: I don't know. I don't know. Why do gay people love Carly Rae Jepsen?
0: So besides the blood on the floor and the why cash, do you love
1: horrible men? It's all we could we could tug at all those threads.
0: Yeah, you got one. Uh, life. Yeah. all horrible men. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, there was also no sign of a struggle, and it wasn't really a lot of blood. So they say maybe he hit himself in the head, and the sheriff says there was a
5: there was a dowel rod. A what? Val rod.
0: Did you know what a dowel rod is? I had
5: to Google it.
0: I Googled it too! It's just a wooden stick. And why didn't they just say it's just something that you like make like a cabinet with or something? I was like, okay. Anyway, it had bloody prints on it, so they're thinking maybe it was used as a weapon.
1: Yeah. So now they're wondering, wait, is there foul play? Yeah. And the sheriff is thinking maybe someone hit Michael over the head. So the question is who would want to harm Michael? Right. Everybody knew him, everybody loved him.
0: Well, there is that old nursery rhyme. Do you know that nursery rhyme? No. It's like the biggest betrayal never comes from your enemies. Trust no one. Fuck off. That's it.
1: How's that been serving you?
0: I, 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 it's a nursery rhyme. It's like Mother Goose or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but the point is they were like, if it wasn't a robbery, all this stuff is here, this cash is here, who would want to hurt him? So now the deputies
1: begin a search of Michael's 10-acre property.
2: The Sheriff's Department requests that all available resources be deployed in the search for Michael.
5: We had called the Department of Public Safety. They have a flare unit on their helicopter It detects heat. So if there was somebody there, it would detect them.
2: Sheriff Meeks pings Michael's cell phone and learns that the phone is turned off or dead. The last tower communication occurred at 5.50 p.m.,
0: They start to search on foot and they go outside. Of course, they know guys. They know a guy. So they got a helicopter in no time because they know a guy. And they try to ping his phone and they find out it's off or maybe dead. Yeah. And they do find out that night because if you know a guy, at 5.50 was the last time it pinged.
1: Yeah. And it pings around a lake called Lake Tawakonee, which is about a 20-minute drive southwest of Michael's home. So now deputies... And that helicopter, they're like, we're moving the search area 20 minutes southwest. I'm like, come on. you all are on it. And the family also begins to pour into Micah and Becca's home. And they're just shocked.
0: And they kind of were like, something's happened. We're going to find him. They weren't, like, really panicked at this point. But midnight comes and no Michael. And they went to bed not knowing.
1: It definitely struck me, especially when, when his granddaughter was talking about it. Like, the guilt they all felt. Like, mm-hmm. how do we just go to sleep like everything's normal? But yeah. life keeps happening, yeah. you know? So, the next morning, investigators start to piece together a timeline of Michael's day. And wife is like, look, this is everything I know about Michael's plans. Mm-hmm.
0: She was like, I had asked him to go get me some mascara from the Walmart. Yep, Because, you know, L'Oreal... Great lash, best mascara Is that there the is. pink and green one? No, that's Maybelline. It's a
1: good one, too.
0: L'Oreal Voluminous will always be the best over-the-counter mascara. Is that the
1: gray and gold one? Yep. Got it. Yep,
0: quote me on it. And she was like, the items are here. I I know he went to Walmart. I know he got my mascara. So they go to that Walmart, and they see Michael on the surveillance. He's wearing, like, his Dallas firefighter shirt. It's absolutely him. And that was about 11 a.m. Everything was fine. He was just a nice old man buying his wife mascara. Yeah, and he didn't look like— that?
1: No, he didn't look like he was struggling. He didn't look like he was in a hurry. They see the footage of him going to his truck, and they're like, maybe somebody followed him. Nobody followed him. Also, going to Walmart alone is— Uh, a test in patience why I've visited enough Walmarts to know okay yeah,
0: That's a sweeping statement, I would say.
1: Well, I'm a man. Yeah. I'm allowed to make those. Yeah.
0: Everybody's just out here doing their best, Joseph. <laughs> Sometimes you just want to go get some Goya beans and you want the best price. For the
1: record, I'm not judging judging. There is video evidence of you and me at a Taco Bell on 51st and 8th Avenue at 3 a.m. and it is not a pretty sight.
0: When you spit in your soda so I wouldn't take a sip. Well, is that the video you're talking about? Get your when own I soda. I said I want to sip and you
1: spit. You, you all, do more do than you? sip it.
0: Listen, I am invested in this story. He spit in his soda, so I wouldn't take any. You know I don't share my food. And you call yourself Italian. <laughs> okay. Half Italian! Yeah, exactly. So... <laughs> the nasty half!
2: Hunt County calls in a team of bloodhounds to search Michael's property. They started his workshop and quickly
4: pick up on Michael's scent. We noticed they kept going to one area by the road. One area. Constantly. Right on the corner of his property, there's a drainage ditch there, a big culvert, big enough for a man to walk underneath that culvert or somebody to carry somebody underneath there so that they don't have to cross the road and nobody sees them. And it leads straight to a large pond.
0: Now, they call this drain a culvert? It's not a drain. It's like a big old tunnel. Well, it, it is a drain. I Googled it. It's, it's big. Like a railroad could go down there. It's not like a drain that we have like in the city. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's big On, enough to fit a human being. It is. The
1: point that they were trying to make is, is that if someone were like trying to conceal something illegal that they were doing, like possibly moving a body. Yeah. They could do it without anyone seeing them right. from the road. Because right. the culvert went under the road toward a pond
0: So they search that pond they use sonar to check the pond Nothing. No
1: Michael. And then we find out that there's a very large search party for Michael. But as, you know, word spread, his fire department buddy also showed up. And he had like 100 to 150 people looking for him.
0: And they had dive teams, searches. So then the sheriff goes to the press. Sheriff Meeks goes to the press. And the whole family is there. And we see the news footage. And, you know, they're breaking down. And Madeline, his granddaughter with the hot asymmetrical bob, was like, I called his phone all day, every day. I just kept calling his phone and just hoping he would pick up.
1: Did I ever tell you that when my dad passed, I texted him
0: Mm.
1: afterward? I get that. Yeah. I get that. And it made no sense. I couldn't even tell you why. It's a coping mechanism. That struck me. So six days after Michael's disappearance, the family offers a $25,000 reward. They start a Facebook page called Bring Papa Home. Hoping to get tips there.
2: Some members of Michael Chambers' family begin to raise questions about 31-year-old Justin, the youngest of Michael's four children. Over time, family members say the relationship between
4: father and son had become strained. Every time Justin would call, it would always have to do with money and try to guilt Mike. So Mike would give in. And this went on for years.
1: So it turns out that youngest son, Justin, had been asking his dad, Michael, for money. This is according to the son-in-law, David, that sometimes he would guilt dad, Michael, into giving him money.
0: Yeah, kind of like holding him emotionally hostage. Like, you know, if you don't give me this money, I'm going to lose my house. And so then Michael started to lay down boundaries, you know, which is hard. And Justin didn't like it. Like, listen, honey, my boundaries are made of jello. Like, I'm trying to get better. But you notice when the boundary starts, that's like where the respect starts to end. There's that little gray area and he didn't like it. So they were kind of arguing all the time. I mean, listen, everyone's got a different family dynamic, but honey, you're 31 years old. Yeah, Your dad can't be loaning you money for the rest of your life. There are some people who that works out for, but he was retired. He was retired fireman. Firemen actually don't make that much money. No. They make a fine, fine living, but they weren't rolling in it. They were humble people yeah
1: and also like your pension you have to yeah. make that last yeah so he cut justin off financially but the sheriff's department brings justin in and he was like listen my problems with my dad were more complex than just money however i would never hurt my dad
0: justin is not here we yeah. will say that yes. as well justin also has an alibi for that night and sheriff meeks confirmed uh, it yeah confirmed it so now they get the testing results, the DNA and the forensics, back for that blood that was found in the garage. And the blood was, was matched to Michael Chambers. Yeah. So then they bring in a blood splatter expert. I didn't know those existed. Did you never see Dexter?
1: No. I never watched he Dexter. He was a blood
0: splatter expert. Then he again. also killed people. Say that again. Blood splatter expert. How did I say it? It's not easy.
1: Blood splatter expert.
0: Yeah. You've never heard of that?
1: I've never heard of it.
0: Do you know things?
1: You know, I would like to, I always say normalizing, saying I don't know Mm -hmm. so you can receive new information Mm -hmm. without being ridiculed by your podcast partner.
0: You always say that? I do. You made a sticker out of it? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to get a tattoo of that on my lower back as well.
2: The sheriff's office brings in a blood splatter expert to examine the crime scene.
5: If you or cut, or you're hurt, or you hit over the head, and blood is dropping to the ground, it's going to splatter. There's no splatter to it at all. It's perfectly round drops. The blood expert felt like that blood was staged to make it look like a possible kidnapping or an abduction of some kind.
1: Yeah, that expert concludes that it was staged to look like a possible kidnapping. Well,
5: because
0: here's the thing. We see the picture. They're perfect little circles. They're round little drops of blood. Like, it doesn't look real. They are literally perfect circles. Also,
1: the blood was bright red. Yeah. Which was indicative of an anticoagulant.
0: Right. That it had been added to it. So, like, if you've ever given blood, it's that stuff at the bottom of the vial, and it stops the blood from clotting. Yeah. So, it looked as though... It came from a preserved vial. vial. When they said that,
1: I was like, twist. I did not see that coming. And also, for the record, most people are trying to clean up crime scenes, not create them. So on March 20th, which is 10 days after Michael's disappearance,
3: Becca makes a change to her cell service. The cell phone plan had Becca, my dad, and my younger brother, Justin, On that plan, and Becca took Justin's phone off of that plan and suspended Dad's service at that time. It was a short amount of time, and that raised a lot of controversy.
4: Last thing I would want to do is cancel phone service because the phone could really be the thing that gives us the evidence we need as to where he is. But according to Michael's family, Becca has her
2: reasons. Becca removed Justin from the plan,
1: and she suspended Michael's service. This is 10 days after his disappearance, which struck some family members as odd,
0: as well as the Me sheriff's.
1: Yeah, and
0: two podcasters hearing this five years later. It's been 10 days. It's... Also, his phone is nowhere to be found. Yeah. So what if he's in distress somewhere, and he has his phone? You don't know he doesn't have his phone, because remember, his keys, his wallet, and his hat were retrieved. No phone. Why would you turn off his phone, babe?
1: Well, daughter Susie— Did we mention that
0: Becca's not here?
1: Becca is not here. Okay. Yeah. So daughter Susie says, I'm going to defend Becca a little bit. She's like, she never had to handle money by herself. My dad took care of everything.
0: Well, no, she didn't. She took Justin off. Fair enough. Yeah. He's he's 31. He can pay his own way. No judgment to all y'all who are saving a penny on a family plan. Yeah. So Becca had claimed she was worried about finances. So four weeks pass. In the same interest of worrying about finances— Becca wanted to sell Michael's truck.
1: But the truck was in Michael's name, right? And I just went through this with my dad. When my dad passed, we all had to sign something with my mother to get the truck put in my mother's name so she could sell it. And that was the thing. So she decided that she was going to obtain a temporary death certificate for
0: Michael. Honey, but not to be morbid, your dad actually did pass. Yeah, 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 yeah. You were saying like, we did it too. Yeah, you did it because your dad was deceased. Yes. This man is nowhere to be found. Well,
1: it's only four weeks. Yeah. And so, obviously, daughter Susie was very against this. Uh, She felt it was very wrong. But Becca was like, it's just a formality. No,
0: no, no. Yeah. She's like, it's a temporary death certificate. I've been doing this a long time. I never heard of a temporary. Like, are they going to come back from the dead? What's a temporary death certificate, honey?
1: Well, put a pin in that because another month passes, no new developments. And then in May, police start bringing family members in to take polygraphs.
0: Yeah, my favorite. So they start with Justin, their son, their 31-year-old son. He was willing. He did it twice. You know, listen, and I'm here to say, just because you don't get along with someone doesn't mean you know, you're know you a murderer. No. If that were the case, she'd be behind bars. Yeah. You know what I mean? Also, family gossip makes yeah. a
1: murderer not.
0: So he took the poly twice and he passed. You know, I don't believe in polys, but here yeah. we are. Becca agrees to a poly. Not in the episode. You remember how she said it was a month later? She had agreed to a poly that day with Justin and she got there and said, Oh, wait, you know what? I forgot. I took my medication. You're not supposed to take medication before you take a poly, right? Panicked and left and took the poly a month later. I'm just giving you the information.
1: Well, during Becca's uh, polygraph, she admits to having an affair, but she says the affair ended five months before Michael's disappearance. She's like, well, I think he knew about it. And they're like, well, how do you know? Did he confront you? She's like, no. But I just think he knew.
0: Side note, she had several affairs.
3: Oh. Side research. And then down bitch daughter Susie says... Something exactly you would say. If you tell me a lie, I'll be suspicious of everything that comes out of your mouth.
0: Honey, there are two things I hate. Liars... And Lance Armstrong, because I believed him. (laughs) I defended him. I really did. I felt so stupid. Because he
1: said he didn't take steroids, and he actually did. he actually
0: did. I was like, back up off of him! He's a cancer survivor! Yeah. Anyway, so she says she has nothing to do with it, and she passed a polygraph. You know I don't believe in polygraphs. Yeah. But also, just because you have an affair doesn't mean you're a murderer, too. No, and they... So I'm throwing down all kinds of qualifiers here. Hey, listen, and they also bring
1: down her ex-lover. They question him. Uh, He provides an alibi, and both Becca and the ex-lover are removed as suspects. So then we arrive on July 12th, three months after Michael's disappearance.
3: On the Bring Peppa homepage, someone claimed to know where Dad's body was, He claimed to have gotten the information from a friend of his.
2: Within a few minutes, the tipster calls Susie and says that Michael Chambers was murdered, and more than one person is involved.
3: He proceeded to tell me that Becca and another man had done this. He gave me the address of the property. And then
0: he says, actually, it was Becca and another man. And he gives the address of where the body is. Now, listen, Sheriff Meeks was like, okay, this is from a convicted felon. There's a $25,000 reward. He was, you know, as I am with all men, very suspicious. Yes. But... He's like, I still have to check it out. Yeah. But I'm I'm putting out here that. This these, piece of
1: shit is after money. These
0: kinds of things happen all the time to these poor families. They still have to exhaust every possible option. But he's, you know, taking all those eggs. He looks in the basket. He's like, I'm going to hang on to these eggs.
1: So, you know, they do investigate the property. Of course, they find nothing.
0: I fucking hate that.
2: I it hate... makes me
1: mad. You're, bas- you're wasting time, resources. Yeah.
0: You are an actual shit rocket if you do that. And I hope that every chocolate chip cookie you bite into turns into be an oatmeal raisin.
1: Yeah, me
2: too. And do I you hate
0: when that happens. <laughs> I, mean, I-, I like oatmeal raisin. I just wasn't mentally prepared for it. Yeah. Thanks for supporting me.
2: <laughs> the next day, investigators become aware of more discord within the Chambers family.
5: We got called to Becca's home. Justin had showed up. He was very angry about Becca cutting his phone off.
3: Becca had said that she was afraid about Justin, but that she was going to take out a protective order.
5: That does seem odd to me that all of a sudden they're at odds about Her cutting off his cell phone, sir.
1: The cops are called to Becca's home because youngest son Justin has showed up very upset about his phone being cut off from the family plan. Or at least that's what Becca told the cops. But Justin told his sister Susie that's... Not why I was upset.
0: Yeah. Justin was like, no, I went over there. No, I was aggressive. No, I got in her face. But that's because I've been hearing all around town that Becca was involved with my dad's disappearance. And if I find out that it was her, that I would next see her in a pine fucking box. We didn't fight about the fucking phone. Yeah. Okay. We fought. We fought. But it was totally not what Becca said. And they were like, well, file that protective order. Does Becca have beer-flavored tits? Why is everybody protecting Becca? This is what I don't understand. Did I mention she's not on the episode? This rage is not manufactured. This is organic rage you're getting right here. Oh, honey, I know. Okay, <laughs> you, you know think the I don't? know, oh, I know.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: She's got. She's got a lot of organic. I grew it myself. Yeah. There's no preservatives <laughs> in that rage. Not craft singles over here.
2: <laughs> Two days later, Michael's daughter Susie says she gets surprising news concerning his estate. A family friend from the fire department calls
4: to say that her father was recently declared dead. From what I understand, the sheriff's department has to sign off for that. So how do you sign off on someone that's just been missing?
2: What Susie had understood
4: to be a temporary
2: court order allowing Becca to sell Michael's truck is actually a permanent judgment.
1: Daughter Susie found out that that temporary death certificate that Becca had applied for so she could sell Michael's truck... Yeah, that was a permanent judgment. And Michael had legally been declared on May 26th, 2017, wait for it, two months after his disappearance.
0: Yeah. I would never blame Susie because I recognize this is confusing. But again, what's a temporary death certificate? It's like that viral video where people are like, do you want the air in your tires or do you want the premium air?
1: Right. You know, it's like,
0: I'm not blaming Susie. I can get people, you know, not at all. But when you step back, the fuck is a temporary death certificate? Well, the math math ain't mathin'. Yeah, she had him declared legally dead. And Susie, who is here appears to have very, very much of a forgiving and open heart, because... She was
1: pissed about it, she, though.
0: Yeah! Did I say that Becca wasn't here?
1: Yeah, she's not here, baby. Okay, okay. She ain't coming. All
0: right, I wasn't sure she, if I told them that. She
1: ain't coming. That. So, Michael has a $750,000 pension plan.
0: Yeah.
2: For now, Michael's $750,000 pension will issue monthly payments to Becca Chambers, unless Michael turns up alive in the next three years. According to law enforcement, Becca's actions continue to be understandable as a means to financially survive the loss of her husband.
1: And law enforcement backs Becca. They're like, I mean, she's doing what she has to do in order to sustain herself. I will say, I understand, it just looks dicey. Unless you truly don't give a fuck, then show up and say that. You know what I mean? Being like, I loved my husband. This really fucking sucks, but I don't give a fuck what anybody has to say or my family. I'm doing what I have to do to survive, but show up and say that. Do you know what I mean?
0: I mean, I do. And you know, you know, I do speak several languages. Thanks, Babble. But my primary and main language is fact. And here's the facts. Most families... Put off filing that death certificate till the last moment. Because that's the end of hope. You know what I mean? You put out a $25,000 reward. You have friends. You have family. You can mortgage your house. You can borrow some money. Mm, No, I'm not picking up what you're putting down. She's got a job. She's a home health aide. She had money.
1: Well, all I'm saying, too, is is like, you could sort of go fund me. You don't have family that could pool money together to get you through six months? Two
0: months. You waited two months and you had him declared dead. Yeah. It that just... says that you've given up hope. So now they're like, okay, let's try to think of some theories beyond foul play. Thinking about the blood, knowing that the shop was locked. Okay. There was no struggle. What's happening? Now they're like, okay, did Michael stage that crime scene?
2: Police start to wonder if Michael Chambers could have staged the crime scene himself in order to walk away from his life. They question his family, and his son-in-law David says that months earlier,
4: he had a strange conversation with Michael that now seems eerily relevant. We would watch some of these investigative shows on TV, and he says, a person could easily disappear and make it look like an accident. And nobody would ever find him. It'd be very easy to do.
1: And he was like, you know, we would watch investigative shows together. And Michael said, you know, it'd be very easy to disappear and make it look like an accident. And no one would find you.
0: I feel like I've said that before, too.
1: Honey, I've said all kinds of things. Yeah. My mother said she could write a novel. (laughs) She can barely.
0: (laughs) How is it coming, though? (laughs) Honey. (laughs) We (gasps) should call her and put her on speaker.
1: Hi, Mom. Hey. Hey, question for you. What? How's your novel coming? Are you on the radio? <laughs> I want to know how your book's coming. I'm not talking. <laughs> Tell me one more time, real quick. When the cops came home, what did the house look like? I am not
3: saying a word.
1: Go ahead, Ma. Say it. No. <laughs> um. Say hi to Ellen. We're recording the podcast.
3: Hi. Okay. Nice talking to you. Was it? No. All
0: right. Okay, bye. Bye. Why does your mama hate you?
2: (laughs) In October 2017, the sheriff's office brings in a cell phone expert who uses new technology to learn more about Michael's exact route on the day he went missing. When the results of the forensic cell phone analysis come in, they appear to confirm something about Michael Chambers... That nobody wants to believe.
5: This is not an abduction, and this is not going to be a homicide. He left on his own.
0: They can trace his whole entire day. Here we go.
1: Yeah, so Michael left his house in the morning, drove through Quinlan, which is where they lived, drove over a two-mile bridge that goes over Lake Tewakonee. Once he was over that bridge, he stopped on the other side for like 10 or 15 minutes. It's close to where Michael and Becca once lived, shortly after adopting their youngest two. Then we don't get anything till around 2:30 p.m. Michael goes back from his house to that same location over the bridge, and that's the last time his phone pings.
0: Right. That's where the signal stops. So they're like, okay, why did he go? They have more questions. Yeah, right? they have no
1: idea why he would go there. So
0: the science is so freaking pristine. They knew how fast he was traveling. And we learn on the show, they say he was traveling 4.2 miles an hour. So he wasn't driving at that speed. And he wasn't walking. So was he riding Riding a a bike?
1: bike? Yeah. So they asked Becca, they're like, does he have a bike? And she's like, yeah, he has a bike. So they're like, cool. Is it there? And she's like, we haven't checked And he's like, okay. They're like, well, we're going to come there and check. Yeah. Well, they get there. That bike ain't there.
0: So it's at this time where they think that he plotted an elaborate suicide. A twist I did not see coming. Yeah. So, and of course, first thing you think about, what is wrong? What is happening? Then Sheriff Meek says they found some reasons why Michael would want to die by suicide. But they can't tell us. Yeah. Which I respect that because
1: it's an open investigation, but I'm like, it's wild.
0: Yeah. And then we fast forward to
1: February 10th, 2018. Deputies are conducting a massive search, believing... I mean, they're very confident that yeah. they think that they know where Michael's remains are. Yeah. And Michael's family shows up, and obviously, daughter Susie's there, and she's like, I don't think they're going to find him. And after 10 hours of searching, they don't find
0: anything. 10 hours. I know. And nothing is found. And they still don't know what happened to him. And everyone is not only confused, but very divided about what happened. Because daughter Susie still believe it's foul play. But a lot of people have sort of resolved that he might have tried to die by suicide.
1: And even like son-in-law David, who was very close to him, was like, I can't imagine Michael dying by suicide unless something really tragic transpired or something very... He doesn't use the word scandalous, but something that would cause him shame Mm -hmm. for his family. Yeah, the family struggles. I mean, Daughter Susie is like, our family has never been the same. Yeah. We think about him every day. We wonder every single... Of course. I mean, honestly, I I really just hope this family gets answers. It's awful.
0: Well, I did a little bit of diving. Of course. So I have some stuff to share with you. All right. So Becca, who's not here... She made five calls that morning that Michael went missing. At 2.20, she called the man she was having an affair with. And then at 2.53, he called her back. And then at 3.08, he called her again. And between the times of 3.15 and 4.51, her phone was turned off. Sit with that. So the sheriff said that he rode a bike. With that time frame, with that miles per hour. Now, there was no second bike rack in the garage. And that doesn't mean there wasn't a second bike. Maybe they they didn't have a bike rack. And the family doesn't recall a bike besides the one that was still in the garage when they got there. And the sheriff's department's like, he rode a bike. He threw it in the lake after he jumped. However, the neighbors all said, like, I've never seen Michael ride a bike. Like, Ever, yeah. Okay, Becca is the one who said they had another bike. Put a pin in that. Remember when they thought that the blood was that color because of that anti-coagulation yeah. thing? Yeah, right. So when they went and got samples of the blood to confirm that it was Michael Chambers, they did confirm it was Michael Chambers, but they never sent it off for coagulation testing.
1: Interesting. So they
0: just said it appeared because it had never been tested. Now, a couple things also to add. That lake was 20 miles away. Also, it is said in many, many articles I found that Michael had really bad knees. Remember, he was 70 years old. Yeah, yeah. And also, that drop from the bridge is only nine feet. And... Not to be morbid, but that's really not lethal, right? Yeah, yeah. Also, I found varying quotes about what the sheriff said as to how fast he was going. 2.5 miles, 4.2 miles. It's all kind of a mess. So I just wanted to give all of that added information that was not included in the episode and tell you that obviously that if you do have any more information about Michael Chambers... You can call the sheriff's department at 903-453-6800 because obviously you never know what's going on in somebody's life or in in their heart. And he might have been struggling with something in his life. That is very, very much a possibility. But if he died under other circumstances, that family deserves to know. Absolutely. Say something funny. Should
1: I get us... Matching Santa Claus G strings, and we can take pictures at Kmart together, and send out Christmas cards like that. Bow, 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 bow,
0: bow. Oh my God! Should we do Christmas pictures for the for the drama club? Oh my gosh! Absolutely. Ah! That I would be love, so fun. I lo- you know I'm a Christmas crazy person. I love Christmas.
1: I love Christmas too, but I like a spooky Christmas.
0: Yeah, well, that's because you're dark and you're weird and you're Gomez Adams. hell, <gasps> bitches! Holy moly. We are almost done with this series, and I am so excited for this next chapter. Don't forget to uh, join us on the Patreon. If you feel like you want a little bit more of us, please follow us on Instagram at the disappeared pod. And you can follow me at Ellen Marsh and Joey at it's Joey Taranto. We're also each on TikTok and we're on our obsessed with disappeared TikTok, where we are adding new booth videos that we're editing and we're trying to get out to you as soon as possible. And if you're not
1: on our TikTok, please go follow us. Like and comment and tell us you
0: like it. Because we are needy. Also <laughs> join us on the Facebook group. It's the Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group on Facebook. We are there all the time. We love hearing from you. We absolutely love our community and our friends and our down bitches so much. We are the luckiest people around and we have you to thank for it. Yeah, we love the shit out of y'all. I love you, Joey. I love you too, Yellen. We love you, down bitches. Love y'all. Love you. Bye. Bye. And he uh, retired at 2008.
1: At 2008 years old. Wait, did I say that?
0: <laughs> okay, I'll try that again. He retired in 2008. <laughs> your call has oh, your mom forwarded you to sale. She straight up hit decline. Oh, honey,
1: let me. Oh, there she is. Oh, call it. I love you.
0: I love you. I do have. I do have the horrible taste of men. Um, Should we keep talking about that?
1: I think we should move on. Okay, great. Go ahead. Say it, mom. Say it. Just say it, please. Where are you? I'm at Taco Bell. No, you're not. There's no Taco Bell in New York.
0: (laughs) There is, actually. This podcast has turned into one long I walked uphill both ways (laughs) in the snow. We turned so old so fast. I
1: love it.
3: Hold it <laughs>